Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. CNN anchor and former federal prosecutor Laura Coates is with me. She's been listening to all of this uh, outside the courthouse. And, and Laura, uh, when this romantic relationship between Nathan Wade and, and Fannie Willis started and ended uh, was a main point in today's hearing. I have been completely riveted all day listening to this. The big question before this judge today was not in episodes out of so-called Real Housewives. It was about whether there was a romantic relationship from which Fannie Willis derived a financial benefit in actually bringing this case. That was what needed to be proven. That is the conflict of interest that could potentially lead to disqualification. And just so you know, Jake, it's not just her who would need to be disqualified. It'd be the entire team. A separate entity would come in, replace that team. They're not beholden to try to follow what she indicted or even continue with the case. But there was never a moment where either Nathan Wade nor Finding Willis actually conceded that their relationship began before he was hired as special counsel and part of the team. There was a witness, a former friend, a former employee of the DA's office in Fulton County, Miss Yurdy, who with from whom Fannie Willis leased a condo who said absolutely they were romantically involved back in 2019. Now, there was an axe to grind they did bring out. This woman had been a former employee. She resigned on penalty eventually being fired. There is obviously a contentious relationship now going between her and Fannie Willis. And you know what was really surprising, Jake? The attorney asking questions did not follow up, did not ask questions like, well, how specifically did you actually see them romantically involved? She mentioned kissing and hugging, didn't say the location or the time frame. That was a point of issue here. But ultimately, the issue is, was there a financial benefit? And they had a very hard time creating that through line from point A to point B. Yeah, and just to be clear, I mean, taking notes here, uh, Fannie Willis said uh, she hired him uh, in, I believe, uh, the, the end, the fall or the end of 2021, their relationship uh, began somewhere around February or April of 2022. And then this very revealing answer about when the relationship ended, she said that he would probably say that the relationship ended in June or July of 2022. I'm sorry, 20, June or July of 2023, um, because that's when their physical relationship ended, but it wasn't until August 2023 where they had what she called the hard conversation, and that's when in her mind the relationship ended. This is significant to the extent that any of this is significant because the indictment was brought down against Donald Trump on August 14th. Um, What exactly are the Trump attorneys saying? I, I understand the whole idea that like she hired him and uh, he was her boyfriend at the time, which she denies and he denies, paid him a lot of money, and then she and he lived high on the hog, going on vacations, going out to meals, et cetera, et cetera. What's the significance of when the relationship ended? 
But what they're trying to establish is somehow that they wanted to maintain contact with one another and use the actual indictment and the litigation as a pretextual reason to do so. That this was all a master plan essentially to maintain their companionship and their romance and be able to have and derive a financial benefit as a result, consequences be damned. Now, they have to actually get to the meat of the matter. None of what we've heard today has anything to do with the underlying facts of the actual indictment. And remember, the standard by which you must prove for somebody to get disqualified means that the nature of this relationship would have been such a conflict of interest as to deny Donald Trump or the other, what, 17 defendants, some of whom have already pled guilty, of a fair trial. That's the connection that has to be made here. But remember, ultimately, there's also the shame factor here. Can you imagine, Jake, if we were sitting here today and watching, say, Jack Smith on the stand testifying about his sexual relationships? What impact that would have on an overall jury pool? on a credibility assessment, trying to parse through whether they began, he began or ended a relationship, whether he was married as a technicality or not, whether he was paying for trips or somebody was paying him back on Cash App. Part of the whole point of this was to really maybe death by a thousand cuts in credibility that we're not talking about, and this court is not talking about the underlying facts here, but they've done themselves no favors here. There is the optics, there are the moments where people are questioning what the motivation may have been. But at the end of the day, they need to establish, to disqualify her, that there was a financial benefit such that it would deny Trump a fair trial or any of the other defendants. And so far, this judge does not seem to be particularly persuaded or visibly persuaded in that direction. In fact, I was actually surprised that she took the stand. It seemed as though before she walked into the courtroom in a, in a very um, theatrical way and appeared before a camera, that he seemed to be inclined to question why they needed her to testify. And lo and behold, she appeared nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, there's so many issues here. One of them is none of this has to do with whether or not Donald Trump and his minions tried to steal Georgia. Uh, completely, you know. Th she that, said as much. Yeah. She said as much. But second of all, of course, is what the Trump folks are doing, which is, look, this is tough mm -hmm. stuff. If you're going to take Donald Trump on, his lawyers are going to do everything they can to fight back, mm -hmm. and that includes potentially smearing the district attorney. And then there's the third step, which is Richard Nixon once said, I gave them a sword. This was stupid uh, uh, of her to get romantically involved uh, with somebody that worked in her office, whether he considered himself an employee or not. Stupid is not necessarily criminal. Stupid is not necessarily corrupt, but it, but it was unwise. On the point that you're talking about, this allegation that Fonnie Willis financially benefited from hiring Nathan Wade, was there any evidence at all proving that allegation? You know, Whatever presentation was there was very, very tenuous. What was happening from Nathan Wade, for example, is he talked about deriving sources of income from different sources, right? His private practice and then from the state of Georgia or Fulton County. What the, the lawyers bringing in this action seemed to want to suggest was that him and Fonnie Willis began at zero. And therefore, the only income coming into right. their, you know, coffers, their accounts came from that. And therefore, there was a through line between every dollar spent came from this. When in reality, the testimony came in instead that they had income, 
that there was a pot of money and they used their resources from that. That's not enough yet to determine a financial benefit. All right, let's bring in Charlie Bailey, former senior assistant district attorney of Fulton County who has worked closely with Fonnie Willis. Uh, his wife is on Willis's communications team and Charlie was in court for today's hearing. Uh, good to see you again, Charlie. Uh, so Fonnie Willis brought charges against the former president, a move of huge significance, put her squarely in the spotlight, squarely in the sights of Donald Trump's legal team. Even if the judge does not disqualify her from the case, based on what you saw in court today, did her decision to, to have a romantic relationship with, with a lead prosecutor, did it jeopardize her case? Did it potentially jeopardize her credibility with the jury? No, I don't think it jeopardized the case. It didn't jeopardize her credibility. I think the credibility that was jeopardized today is these lawyers that put lies in filings got way out over their skis claiming they knew things to be true that were proven today to be false. I mean, I think the big takeaway from today also, I mean, it's outrageous the fact that somebody like Donald Trump, who's been adjudicated a sexual assaulter, is going to question a consensual relationship between two single adults. I mean, it's the height of hypocrisy. And so the only credibility here at issue are those defendants in there. I think Fonnie spoke for herself about her own credibility. So she kept on saying um, that the Trump and uh, the attorneys for Trump and the attorneys for Trump's minions who are also charged, she has many co-defendants in this case, lied about her, filled these legal documents with lies. You just alluded to it. What lies specifically uh, is mm -hmm. she talking about? Well, this is what they said. All right, so let's be clear. This is what they said in these motions. They said Fonnie Willis uh, led an almost two-year investigation, hundreds of witnesses, hundreds and thousands of documents, special grand jury, went through awful threats, some of the worst, most vile and dangerous threats you can think of. She did all that brought a case against the former president and a bunch of his associates, not because the evidence and the law required it, but because she wanted to hire somebody that could pay for a trip to Aruba because she couldn't pay for her own trip. That is what they said. And Jake, if that was true, she'd be, go down as one of the most corrupt district attorneys in the history of this country. And so that is the lie. And that is what they have to convince that judge is the truth and what we saw today is it's a full-on bunch of lies the whole thing there's also an illusion uh that one of the attorneys made one of the uh, defense attorneys going after her made about a quote that she said in 2021 about how she would never have a romantic relationship with an employee uh she uh said something about you know not having a relationship with somebody uh, under her she differentiated today mm -hmm. saying that um, the, her, her former boyfriend would never con you know, concede that he was an employee or worked under her. Um, is that persuasive, do you think? I mean, it's the way, I'm uh, assuming through her testimony, that's the way Nathan feels about it. I mean, it's not an odd way to think about it. You've got special assistant district attorneys, they're private attorneys, they're not employees under the law. Uh, they, um, they work on a contract basis and and to think of themselves as more as colleagues. I mean, I don't, you, you, you've watched her today, Jake. I don't think anybody's confused about who's in charge. I mean, Fonnie Willis is the district attorney, not Nathan Wade, but I understand the distinction. Yeah, and then lastly, uh, there was also this 
she wanted to, she seemed to want to talk a lot about her relationship with Nathan and why they are no longer together. And it seemed to be along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, but this, she was pretty clear about the fact that Nathan Wade, according to her, had a difficult time dealing with her as an equal. She quoted him saying something like, the only thing a woman could do for him is make him a sandwich or something like that. Um, and that gets into why she repaid him money in her, in her testimony on her own behalf, that she would never want to have somebody paying for trips for her. That, is that what she was driving at? Um, yes, and that's consistent with the Fani that I know. I mean, this is a strong, independent woman who doesn't rely on anybody and doesn't need a man uh, to make her way in the world. And I think that's one of the reasons, on top of being called corrupt and everything but a child of God, that she was so angry about these allegations, and she has full right to be. All right, Char Charlie Bailey, thanks so much for your time. Uh, appreciate it. Much more on the dramatic Thank day. You. In Fulton County, Georgia, ahead, we're also following other breaking news. A former FBI informant charged in connection with a case involving Hunter Biden. What that means for the Republicans' investigation in the House. Stay with us. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. And we have more breaking news for you this afternoon. A former FBI informant has been charged for lying about President Biden and Biden's son, Hunter, and their involvement in business dealings with the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. Now, the reason why this is significant is that this individual uh, and his testimony was a major aspect of the claims by Republicans that President Biden himself had benefited from his son's business operations. Let's get straight to CNN's Evan Perez. Evan, uh, what exactly are they saying about this FBI informant? Well, Jake, the, the name of the informant is Alexander Smirnov. He was arrested today by the FBI. And according to the FBI, he lied to the, uh, to the FBI uh, when he made some claims, uh, including the fact uh, he said that, uh, uh, that Joe Biden received or was getting paid $5 million uh, and that Hunter Biden was getting paid $5 million in order to assist uh, Burisma, the Ukrainian uh, energy company on which uh, Hunter Biden was serving as a, as a, on the board of directors back during the time that, uh, that Joe Biden was vice president. Of course, that is, uh, that is explosive uh, allegations, and that's what's really fueled the Republican drive to impeach the, the president. They've uh, also, obviously, this has driven a lot of the, the allegations that there was corruption, that the, former that the former then vice president was corrupt and trading favors when he was the sitting vice president. I'll read you just a part of what the FBI says, but it, it really comes down to this, right? They say that, uh, uh, in short, you know, the defendant's uh, story to the FBI is a fabrication. They say it's an amalgam of otherwise unremarkable business meetings and contacts that had actually uh, occurred, but at, but at a later date than he claimed, and for the purpose of pitching business 
uh, pitching Burisma on the defendant's services and products. So what uh, the FBI now says and what the, uh, the David Weiss, the special counsel, who has charged Hunter Biden in two separate cases in Delaware and in, uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, this case is being brought by David Weiss against this informant. Uh, what they're saying is that all of that was false and that this now, he is now facing these charges of, of false statements and, a fa uh, and a, um, making, creating a false and fictitious document. Those are the two charges that he's facing uh, now in Los Angeles, Jake. And just, just to remind folks who Smirnoff is, because they might not know the name, right. uh, this was the individual that had claimed that he had been told by somebody who ran Bitterisma right. that Joe Biden himself w was going to get $5 million for all these shady dealings. Right. This is the guy that Senator Chuck Grassley was insisting that this FBI report uh, be revealed to the public. Correct. This was the guy who basically provided hours worth of content on Fox, especially in prime time. This was the guy who James Comer, the, the guy who runs the House Oversight Committee, was relying on as a, as a major source of information. And the FBI is saying, the guy's a liar. In fact, so much so we're charging him with a crime. Correct, Jake. I mean, look, again, uh, what the, uh, the, the Republicans are saying is that one of the reasons why they were relying on him is that they believed he was credible, that the FBI was using him as, a, as an informant, and that that gave him credibility. What we've now, what we're seeing, though, in these documents, uh, in this indictment, is that all of that was fictitious. He came up with this story after Joe Biden became the presumptive candidate for the Democrats in 2020. And, and, and of course, after he had already gone to, to Republicans to make some of those allegations to Chuck Grassley and to others. Yeah, it reminds me to a degree of during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings when uh, all these people were making wild allegations, right. false allegations about the man that is now Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. And then there was this move to just like release all this information. Well allegations are not facts right. and just because somebody has reported something to the FBI doesn't mean it's true and and we saw all this wild stuff uh, released about Brett Kavanaugh who, who was unfairly smeared by a lot of this here we have apparently the same situation except it's against Joe Biden right exactly and by the way I mean people come to the FBI all the time make allegations the FBI puts it down in these documents called the 1023 and that's what Republicans then release to the public yeah, that seems, in retrospect, wildly irresponsible just to release 1023s without any sort of context as to how credible an individual might be. And now we know the FBI thinks this guy's not credible at all. Right. Made it all up. All right. Evan Pettis, thanks so much. Appreciate it. The thanks. top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee is going to be here next. We'll, we'll talk to him about this. Plus, more importantly, perhaps, that cryptic message from his Republican counterpart about a potential national security threat. We'll be right back. And we're back with the world leader full court press from the White House and from Capitol Hill today to try to tamp down fears of the alarming threat we heard about yesterday. There is no immediate threat to anyone's safety. We are not talking about a weapon that can be used to attack human beings or cause physical destruction here on Earth. I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. The sense of urgency began with a vague message from the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Republican Congressman Mike Turner of Ohio, who claimed yesterday that his committee had, quote, information concerning a serious national security threat. Turner requested, quote, President Biden declassify all information 
relating to this threat, unquote. Today, the White House confirmed that the threat is related to an anti-satellite capability being developed, but not yet deployed by Russia. Congressman Jim Himes joins me now. He is the ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee. Um, Congressman, I want, I want to get your reaction to all this in a moment, but first we have this breaking news. A former FBI informant charged uh, with lying to the FBI, those claims he made about President Biden and Hunter Biden's involvement with the Ukrainian company Burisma, the man Alexander Smirnov, he, he's been rather pivotal to uh, the allegations from the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, James Comer, not to mention numerous Fox primetime hosts uh, that there was evidence that Biden benefited to the tune of millions of dollars from Hunter Biden's business dealings. Um, what's your reaction to this allegation, or rather this indictment? Well, I'm, uh, Jake, I'm not at all surprised. I mean, you know, uh, whatever uh, my Republican friends build impeachment inquiries on or, or whatever they build this sort of edifice of MAGA outrage on eventually turns out not to be true, including, you know, as you pointed out, the whole underpinning of the president should be impeached thing turns out to be, uh, you know, uh, largely resting on, on, on lies. Now, uh, you know, I wish I could say that that's going to make a real difference here because what we know is that you can impeach somebody without any crimes, uh, without any misdemeanors, right? Because we just saw the impeachment of uh, Secretary Mayorkas. You know, maybe my Republican friends don't like the way he's doing his job, but they, you know, failed in that impeachment to come up with a single example of a high crime or misdemeanor. So, yes, shocking, but not at all surprising, and I don't think it'll change the narrative around here. Let's turn to what was shocking breaking news yesterday, um, and that has to do with uh, what Chairman Turner uh, put out that message. The National Security Advisor at the White House Jake Sullivan said that you were supposed to get a briefing on this supposed threat today. I understand you can't talk about classified information, but what can you tell us about what you learned about this threat at today's briefing? Yeah, so as you just said, the briefing happened. Uh, we were joined by the National Security Advisor and the Director of National Intelligence, and uh, we heard uh, a lot of what we already knew about the nature of this threat, and you, you heard uh, uh, Kirby uh, describe it as an anti-satellite weapon. You heard him say something that I was saying yesterday, which is it is not an immediate threat to the American people. It is like any number of threats that we learned about on the Intelligence Committee, something that we need to you know, be thoughtful about, address, work through. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that it created a, a massive sort of feeding frenzy and a panic yesterday, but what we learned in the meeting today was that you know, this is something that they have known about for a long time. Uh, they've got a number of strategies to deal with it, and um, you know, hopefully this doesn't become the norm for how we uh, you know, how we uh, how we deal with uh, with threats on the Intelligence Committee. I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but it does seem to me like you and Chairman Turner have a good relationship, have a good working relationship. He does seem to be a, a smart and serious person. What was the deal with uh, with that press release yesterday with that statement? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you're right. You know, the committee and people who follow Washington will know this. Prior to Mike Turner becoming chairman, uh, prior to me becoming ranking member, it had been brutally split by an awful lot of the, uh, uh, the Trump-related stuff. And so we really dedicated ourselves to working together in a bipartisan and, uh, way. And I think we have a really functional committee right now. So, you know, I, I, uh, I'm not going to second guess what the chairman was, uh, you know, what his intentions were, what he was trying to do. I, I wish the communications, put it this way, had been a lot more private than they were. It's not unusual, Jake, for, by the way, the committee to vote to make information available to members of Congress, um, but we usually do that pretty quietly. But, but, but you're absolutely right. Look, I think from now we can move on and, and, and hopefully uh, not, you know, not cause, cause panics in future. All right. Democratic Congressman Jim Himes, ranking 
Democrat on the Intelligence Committee. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jake. House Republican Dan Crenshaw from Texas is headed to the camera. I'm going to ask him about the statement about a national security threat from the Intelligence Committee chairman. Does he think it was out of line? What's his take? We'll be right back. The assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. We're back and continue to follow the breaking news, the indictment that just dropped, charging a former FBI informant with lying about President Biden and his son Hunter Biden's involvement in business dealings with Ukrainian energy company Burisma Holdings, which would seem to undercut an aspect of the Republicans' impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden himself, though not necessarily the charges against Hunter. Uh, We've also been following, as you saw in my interview with the Intelligence Committee ranking Democrat Jim Himes, the new intelligence released by the White House today saying that Russia is developing a weapon with nuclear capabilities for space, which would theoretically pose a significant threat to the United States' ability to control its own nuclear weapons. Joining us now, Republican from Texas, Congressman Dan Crenshaw, who serves on the House Intelligence Committee and is a retired Navy SEAL. Uh, Congressman Crenshaw, uh, good to see you. Um, I I, want to get your reaction. I want to get to the national security threat in, in a second. But first, I know you just came before the camera and you probably haven't had a chance to read uh, the indictment against this FBI informant. But do you have any reaction to the fact that he has been indicted uh, for lying to the FBI? Uh, not much. Look, I'm not on the oversight committee. I'm not deeply involved in, in those investigations. This is honestly the first time I've heard of anyone accusing uh, Biden of taking five million dollars from Burisma. That's a very specific accusation. I don't recall hearing that before. We've, what we've seen from the Oversight Committee, what they've revealed, is a lot of smoke. I mean, they'll, they'll fully admit there's not a smoking gun, but there's a lot of smoke of shell companies, money transfers that are unaccounted for, things like that. That's the kind of stuff I've heard about. I've never actually even heard about this. So whether it undercuts the case or not, I'm not, I, I'm not really sure. If this is the first you've heard about it, then it sounds like you don't. Uh, read the tweets of Marjorie Taylor Greene. So <laughs> we, will, we will move on from there. Uh, back to the Russian anti-satellite capabilities, a much more significant story. Members of your own party uh, are now talking about whether uh, the Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner should have released that statement on Wednesday about the serious national security threat. Take a listen um, to Florida Congressman Matt Gates. We put out, you know, our concern with Chairman Turner gaslighting the country on these things. And I worry that the motivation to uh, draw so much attention to this is less about intelligence and national security and more about a politician who wants to send $60 billion to Ukraine and wants to reauthorize the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. What's your reaction to that? I mean, I'm, I'm confused, you know, and, and, I, and I talk to Matt about this often. Uh, we have very big differences on how we see foreign policy. And, and look, look, we took a vote on the Intel Committee to let the rest of the members know about a, a, a classified issue. That includes Matt Gates. that includes everybody who's complaining about it. So I'm not so sure why they're complaining about that. We're, 
we voted to give you more information so that you are more informed with your future decisions. And they're calling it cynical. They're saying it was, it was, it was designed you know, to, be, to be released this week. That's just not true. Um, the, the reason it happened this week, it was, it was following multiple conversations with the White House and Chairman Turner. Um, and it was, follow, it was also following uh, new intel revelations um, and confirmation of those, of those facts. So th 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 this is not some conspiracy to pass FISA. It wasn't even Intel Committee's idea to do FISA this week, by the way. That was a, that was a scheduling decision made by the speaker's team. So I just, you know, look, everybody should want more information so that you can make better decisions. And yeah, it just so happens that if you know more things, you might have different opinions about um, these, these really sensitive aspects of national security. It's interesting. So do you, do you think it was timed at all to, um, to affect the vote on uh, aid for Ukraine, given the fact that Russia uh, obviously is an enemy of the United States of America, despite the fact that a chunk of the Republican Party these days uh, seems to have some odd affinity for Vladimir Putin? Yeah, no, look, I do not think that was Chairman Turner's intentions. Um, he, he's obviously just as I am, I am pro-defeating Russia. Uh, I do want my colleagues to have more information, and I, I find it strange that they'd be upset that we give them that information, but the timing of this was coincidental. I mean, because, look, we've, we've been sending money to Ukraine for a long time, so, you know, the, the, the revelation of something about Russia, one could argue that it was, you could argue at any moment in time that it was about delivering more Ukraine aid, which would, so it's, 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 it's nonsense, these accusations. I've heard of people wanting to uh, uh, you know, investigate Turner. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Do you, um, I, look, I, I certainly, as a journalist and as a citizen, I'm, I want more information 100%. Do you think that there was any, is there anything that you could find to criticize in the way Chairman Turner released this information? Because it did, it did panic a lot of people. Um, look, I, re I reread the statement just because I knew you'd ask that. And it, it felt like a pretty bland statement. And like, I think he knew it was going to, to, to have some kind of effect and you're gonna have reporters at your door. Um, and, and, and so it probably would have been important to say, look, it's, we're not talking about an imminent threat, we're talking about a dangerous capability that I think the public and the world should know about because it affects more than just us, of course. So, um, you know, I don't have a lot of criticism, criticism for it because I, I do believe uh, that it should be declassified. If it is, uh, if Russia ultimately is able to deploy technology that means the United States loses control of our own uh, uh, nuclear weapons, that does seem terrifying. Um, it, it, it would. That's why people should know about it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of our lifestyle around the world relies on our ability to use satellites. Um, some are hardened to that kind of thing, some are not. But it's, um, look, it's, it's, it's a capability that's out there. It's not an imminent uh, threat. Um, and it's something people should know about and they should, they should know who they're dealing with, I think. And I, I think information is important. Do you think it underscores the need to send funds to Ukraine to, to continue to uh, sap the strength uh, and the technology and the, and the power of Vladimir Putin? I, I actually don't. This is why I think the, 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 the counter arguments against Turner and saying this was some you know, cynical response to giving Ukraine money, they, they make no sense because our argument never relied on whether Russia was a, was, a, was a threat with dangerous capabilities. That was never our argument. Our argument is that you can't allow um, sovereign countries to be invaded because people want to take their stuff. Right? We haven't seen that since the World War II era. And if you go back to that pre-World War II world order, where everyone's just invading everyone, well, you're not going to have the lifestyle that you like. Right? There's a domino effect there. 
And so we have an interest in stopping that to stop a greater war, because if they beat Ukraine, they're on the border of four more NATO countries. That's our argument. Our argument has never been we're worried that, that, that Russia is going to nuke us. You know, they've had nuclear weapons this whole time that can target the U.S. So this isn't like a new thing uh, necessarily. So it's never been our argument. And, um, and, and, the, and the accusations that this is some cynical ploy to get more Ukraine aid, just, it just it doesn't make sense on its face. Well, that never stopped conspiracy theorists before. Uh, Congressman uh, Dan Crenshaw, Republican of Texas, good to see you, as always. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. From Fulton County to Capitol Hill, scandal in politics is everywhere. And this weekend, I'm going to dive into the topic in a brand new series. Join me Sunday night for the premiere of my new CNN original series. It's called The United States of Scandal. We take the time to examine what drives someone to break the rules and what happens when they're caught. Again, the CNN original series is called United States of Scandal. The premiere is Sunday night at 9 Eastern, only here on CNN. Our coverage continues now with Brianna Keeler in for Wolf Blitzer, right next door in the Situation Room. I'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country. Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash call me country. Max subscription required.